0: Red Valley is intended for mature audiences and contains scenes some listeners may find distressing. Please go to redvalleypod.com for full content warnings on every episode. Do you want to continue?
3: Ben,
1: what are you doing? Uh, Hal Beck had already put the hearts on in and muted the notifications. We have to do it. Where's she gone? She left. She what? She's gone. It's just us and
3: Winnie the fucking Pooh. H- are you going to help me or not? Halbeck. Dr. Halbeck. Brittany, you your fucking call. She's
2: gone. You're in charge of this fucker's airway. Come on.
3: Okay. Pass me the scope. All right. Down with the cuff. Down. Fucking rip it then. Suction, come on. You're doing it. We're doing it. Shut up. Breathe. Hold him. Suction back. Turn him on his side. Ben? Ben! What are you doing? Oh, I can't. I can't do another. Ben! He's fucking oh. dying on me! Ben! Where the fuck are you going? Ben! Ben, please don't leave me with him! Ben! Ben! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wood. Hello. step away from that, please. Whatever it is.
3: Yes, yes. Uh, it's a pod, a cryopod.
1: And what is that inside your cryopod?
3: That's Winnie the Pooh. I'm sorry. Well, his name was Robert, actually Robert Masters. Shh.
1: We're here to take you home, Miss Wood. Where's the other one?
3: The other one. Oh, we we had to take him to the furnace, like the others.
1: No, 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 no. The other one of you, Thomas.
3: Oh, then Thomas. He left. He ran.
1: He ran? Start up, spread out. Billy, you're on point. Yep, let's go. Miss Wood, I'm going to need you to pack to leave around 20 minutes. Can you do that? Of course. Happy to. What is that?
3: This. Oh, Dr. Halbeck likes everything recorded.
1: Can you turn it off, please?
0: Certainly. In 200 metres, turn left. What are you doing? Just um, getting some paracetamol.
3: Bit of a full on sort of day. Turn left. What happened
1: to Bryony? Dr Halbert was called away urgently.
3: Oh, right.
1: She sends her apologies.
3: Of Course. At the fork, bear right. And uh, what will happen to the study?
1: I wouldn't know anything about that. Billy, check in. Where are we going? I'm taking you home. We'll take a short break and then back to work. Wonderful. Billy? Very <laughs> keen to get back to work. Any idea where he went? Ben,
3: oh, oh. He won't have gotten far. You'll uh, probably find him face down in a field or shivering in a phone box trying to call his mother. Not very outdoorsy. Uh, when he first got off the helicopter, he sank his best brogues into the mud and started swearing in Latin. We've
1: got eyes on a red jacket, green bag, heading south. Does he have a red jacket and was he wearing it? I, I don't know. Well, if he has one or if he was wearing one?
0: I was... I was
1: dealing with... Stay on him.
0: At the junction, turn around. Stay here. Do you want
3: me to help look? I could call Stay. out for him, maybe. Yeah. Sure. Right. Glove box.
0: At the junction, turn around.
3: Fuck it. Ow. Ow. Fuck it. Fuck it. How'd you break a window from the inside?
0: At the junction, turn around.
3: Oh, wait. How'd you get off the map? Home button.
0: Voice control activated.
3: How do you break a car window from the inside?
0: I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Say, hey, blue sky. Open and then your Internet. query to Open search Google available or options.
3: Google whatever.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't catch that.
3: Hey, blue sky. How to break a window from the inside.
0: I found this online. It is a popular myth that a car headrest can be used to break a car window yes. in an yes, emergency. i heard that myth. But does it hold any weight? We found out, so you don't have to. It's said that using the prong of the headrest fitting against the base of the car window and applying pressure can cause the window to shatter. What? Watch the video below what? to see what? if it works.
3: Bloody video! Well, did it work? Hey, Blue Sky, did it work?
0: I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Oh, piss off!
3: Stick it in the window, a bit. Apply. Pressure. Oh no! Open! Open! Bastard! <laughs>
2: We do have Darjeeling. It's very soothing. Yes.
3: Uh pot of Darjeeling, please. And do you have those tea cakes? The chocolate and marshmallow ones? Tunnocks, aye. Three of those, please.
2: Warrior's breakfast, that is. <laughs> <laughs> we actually sell little tea towels of the tea cakes thrown on them, if you like. It's very twee. Not
3: for me, thanks.
2: Terrible day for a hike.
3: Yes, I didn't think it through.
2: You can pop your coat on the radiator.
3: No, I'm thanks.
2: You won't get the benefit when you go back out.
3: I'll be all right. right.
2: Let that sit for a bit.
3: Thanks ever so much.
2: Are you all right? Hello? Are you alright?
3: Have you ever been so sure you were right about something? Only to find out you were so wrong about that thing that you literally thought you probably deserved to die because of just how wrong you were?
2: Do you want to tell me what happened?
3: I can't do that.
2: (laughs) Aye, you
3: can. I'd like to, but I really can't.
2: You're overhead, aren't you? What? I've been running this place for over 20 years. You think you're the first person to go AWOL from that place in the valley. You're all the same. You're all posh as fuck. N- no offence. And you're all pale as fuck. And not Scottish pale. Like, no daylight pale. And you're all walking with your eyes wide like you shite yourself and you're wondering if anyone sniffed you out. i Am a close? I don't know what you're talking about, uh, but I can assure you. Uh, you don't need to panic. In my time, i spotted three kinds of runners from whatever it is you do down there. There's your Hannibal Lecter types, who've clearly gotten restless and waltzed off the reservation, no doubt looking for something else dastardly to turn their attention to. That's when I reach for my bread knife, truth be told. <laughs> there's your buffoon, who probably had no idea what they were doing then in the first place, and ran at the first sight of trouble, nothing but the clothes on their back, and tell me everything before I get the chance to shush him. <laughs> Those poor bastards don't make it far, I hear. And then there's the well-spoken idealists, who just seem to have had a change of heart for one reason or another. They uh, tend to go for the tea cakes. I can just pay and I'll be on my way. They're going to come looking for you here. I'm known to them. And I am going to tell them that you came by.
3: Please don't. I can pay. I can pay.
2: You're making me question which type of runner you are. (laughs) You don't get to 20 years selling tea cakes by not playing ball with the likes of them. I couldn't give two shits about your creepy, kooky, mysterious and spooky secret base. And frankly, I've never appreciated being a piece in all these clandestine games of wanker's chess you people have going on with your employer. But if you have something you can give me, I can stretch the truth about how long ago you left, or what direction you might have been headed.
3: How much do you want?
2: A significant amount of that, please. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you've been smart enough to keep a lot more of that with you, I could tell you how to get hold of a vehicle. That would be very helpful. Mm -hmm. My pal Curly Chops is only down the way. Curly Chops. Ah, Curly Chops. You're going to want something you can sleep in. Something you can take into the hills for a bit.
3: Just have the lot. That's
2: so kind of you. I'll give him a buzz and let him know you're coming know we could do you a good deal on a Mazda Bongo Friendy. A what? A Mazda Bongo Friendy. I'm sorry, I have no idea
3: what you're saying.
2: A Mazda... Mazda... Bongo... Bongo... Frendi. Ah, that last bit's no actually a word, to be fair. Anyway, it's a good little van. It's just what you need.
3: Great. Point the way.
2: I'll make the call. Finish your breakfast.
3: Will that definitely be enough, then? To settle the bill?
2: My dear, for that... I'll even throw in a tea towel.
0: Hello.
3: This is Aubrey Wood. Thought I might address this directly instead of just passively taping everything around me. Bryony always drilled us with the importance of regular log keeping and the benefits of personal reflections spoken aloud rather than written. Thought it was a faster route to the truth. So what's my truth? Right now, my truth is it's 2am and I'm in a tent behind a bush about 50 metres from the camper van I bought this morning. So, uh... Master Bongo Friendy is a real thing. They, they really named it that. <laughs> I recognise the model, actually. My old neighbour's opposite had one. Even the same colour, swamp water green with a rain cloud go faster to stripe. It's virtually camouflaged out here. It's perfect. Lovely little conversion on the inside. Little sink, little fridge. Strange little fold-away loo. It's warm, it's dry, it has little Christmas lights fitted around the roof, you know. What's that? The cafe man sent me to see his friend, who, sure enough, introduced himself as Curly Chops. Never found out his real name. He was so kind and straightforward, I found him implicitly untrustworthy. He sold me the van for a lot more than it was worth, but I was in no position to haggle. He said, with a quite unnecessarily theatrical wink, that if I really wanted to get away from it all, I should go north, take the ferry to Harris. Perfect spot to hide from the rest of the world, apparently. I thanked him and commended him on a great idea I'd set off immediately. Went in the opposite direction, of course. Drove for a good while. I'm in Glencoe. Went to a mountaineering shop. Panic bought everything in there. Stopped at a little gravel car park for hikers at the foot of some great grey monolith. And so convinced was I that the SAS were going to abseil down the mountain and machine gun my little bongo while I slept. I took out my new tent and sleeping bag, marched to the other side of the road, set up camp in the pissing rain, and here I am, talking to myself, spying on my own van for three and a half hours. Sod it. I'm gonna get in the van. I found myself trying to remember what Harrison Ford did in The Fugitive. He just shaved his beard off of course, not much help. help. The first thing I need to worry about is money. Bryony told both of us, Ben and I, she took us for a Chinese and she said, "Calm she you like, make sure you have an exit strategy. And told us over prawn toast where we could get a fake passport, why we should store cash and other essentials in a storage unit. He even gave us the name of the one she uses, apparently. Outside Kettering or somewhere. Ben could probably have lifted the table with his boner of excitement. Thought he was Jason Bourne. And I nodded and smiled like I was the coolest person in the world, and this was all so obvious. And of course I'd be getting a fake passport piece of cake, and I'd hide my spare helicopter under a tarp in my dad's allotment, and I'd be in the Seychelles before the fuzz even knew my name. Absolutely ridiculous. But I did it. Well, some of it. I took out the inheritance I promised my nan on her deathbed would be going towards a house deposit. I told Bryony I'd use the storage unit she mentioned, but I didn't. Split it four ways. Used three different units from Wales, Scotland and England and kept the rest on me the whole time. Maybe you're uh, listening to this, Bryony. So if you're wondering where those units are, suck my balls. That's where they are. Winnie the Pooh was a murderer. I mean, Robert Masters. I interviewed him for the treatment when he was in prison in New Yorkshire. I was the one who made him the offer. Transfer out of maximum security. Appeal within two years, new legal team provided by us, free in well under five. He killed three security guards in an armed robbery on some warehouse. Had one count downgraded to manslaughter because he reversed the getaway van over one guard's stomach instead of hitting him face on. He laughed when he told me that. I was supposed to be frightened, I think, or at least disgusted. But I wasn't. I was thrilled. Not at what he'd said, what he did, not, not that at all. It was what it meant. It gave me permission. Just a big green light in my head. I can see his eyes opposite me in that interview. Smiling eyes. Me smiling back. Both of us desperate to sign the pieces of paper in front of us. He thought he was getting out? I knew I could throw him in a cryopod and sleep like a baby. It didn't take long to die after Ben left. Could have been a hundred things that did it. I spent an hour standing at his pod. His eyes were open. Not smiling anymore. I stood. And I waited for someone to tell me what to do. Stop.
4: Would you like me to play the next entry, Aubrey?
3: No. Thank you, Gordon. Don't think I can bear any more of that.
4: They must be difficult memories.
3: Mainly just the sound of my own voice, but yes, thank you. Good simulated compassion. What's the time?
4: It's coming up to 2.45 a.m. It's three degrees outside, and sunrise yep, is-
3: Yep, 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 thanks.
4: Are you finished with audio playback? Bloody
3: hell, just a, just a moment with my thoughts, please.
4: You're due on shift in just under yep, four- Yeah, I
3: know, I write the shift. What are you doing in here? Don't you start. I don't remember any Blue Sky units nagging as much as this one does. They
5: nag if their owner is constantly doing things they shouldn't. Like sitting in the records room all night when they need to be asleep.
3: Esther, can you just do that thing where you put your hands on my shoulders and smell my hair, please? Without the judgement.
5: judgment in that breath. That was an exhale. It's part of the breathing. Convenient. What were you listening to? Just an old diary. I assume this wasn't the kind of diary where you worry about your GCSEs or when you
3: touch your first boob? (laughs) I was thinking about Ben Thomas, my partner when I was first stationed here. The one who ran out on you? I loathed him for so long for that. But listening back, I wonder what most people would have done in that situation. How much more would I have had to see before I turned and ran? He made up for it. He helped me get information in and out of the company, helped me pass it on. So strange. Ben and I were both in contact with Gordon and never knew it. We kept everything online and anonymous. We were his secret sources. We're the reason he ever got involved in all of this. Don't do that.
5: I know you're trying to find a way to make yourself responsible for everything that's ever happened. The world is bigger than that, Aubrey. I know. Maybe we should call Computer Gordon here something else.
3: You're right.
4: How about Gord? Gord. Just think of a small pumpkin.
3: Works for me. Gord, do you have the records of contact between us all? Gordon, Ben and me. Gord, cancel that. Aubrey,
5: you need to sleep, not open up another box of bad memories. We're waking Warren up
3: after 44 years. It's been decades for us, but it won't feel that way for him. He's going to have a lot of questions about things that happened a lifetime ago for us. I thought it was all clear in my mind, but it's incredible how your memory rewrites itself. Then let Gord answer the questions. That's what he's here for.
5: Alright. How's Warren doing, anyway? His temperature's coming up. He's still on inotropes. We did a chest scan an hour ago just to make everyone happy that he didn't aspirate when we moved him from the pod. He's fine. Now we just wait for him to come round. I guess none of us know how long that will be.
3: Was this a terrible idea? To take him out now? Into all of this? Some of all of
5: this is actually pretty good, you know. Nice people, peace and quiet. Warren Godby had a crappy life the first time round. Maybe in 2064 he can make a better go of it. You're giving him the chance to make his own choices.
4: English author Charles Caleb Colton once wrote, The present time has one advantage over every other. It is our own.
3: Wow.
5: Wisdom mode engaged, Gord?
3: What if this is the best I can do though? Making the computer sound like his best friend. He'll need a familiar
5: voice when he wakes up. It was a good idea. I know it's the middle of the night, but please try and be optimistic. Everything's working out so far. You're right. I know. <clears throat> I need to get back upstairs. Will you please get some sleep? I will. You will? I will. God, play her some panpipes or something.
3: Stop. Play the next entry, please, little pumpkin.
4: Of course.
0: Red Valley was written by Jonathan Williams and directed by Alan Mandel. All music and editing by Richard Orpheus Campbell with sound design by Alexander Broad and Richard Orpheus Campbell. Carol Pestridge was assistant director. Performances by Tash reith as Aubrey Wood, Susan Hingley as Hester Hiyashi, James Craze as the team leader, Robin Hellyer as the cafe owner, Mark Ruddick as Billy, and Max Panks as Ben Thomas. With Alan Mandel as Gord, and Natalie Day as Blue Sky. Thanks for listening.
4: We're the narrators of Midst.
0: What's Midst? It's very simple. It's a weird, surrealist, fourth-wall-breaking, reality-bending, science-fantasy space-western about a small doomed planet floating in a cosmic ocean of spooky darkness.
1: Upon whose alien landscape, an ensemble cast of characters, including a crotchety outlaw, a freakishly virtuous cultist, and a diabolical businessman, make awful decisions and fight like hell to survive when the moon falls out
4: of the sky and a large number of terrible things happen in rapid succession. It's exciting, it's funny, it's scary. It's got neat sound, weird music, amazing visuals, and every episode comes with bonus content you can read and examine.
0: Midst is performed solely by yours truly as the three of us narrate all the action, play
4: all of the characters, and bend a lot of the rules about how telling stories is normally supposed to work. Midst is pretty fun, very strange, and it feels like VR for your brain. We believe you'll enjoy it, or maybe you won't, but there's really only one way to find out. You're going to have to listen to Midst.